Welcome listeners to Dark Tides, a paranormal actual play podcast. We are currently releasing episodes weekly, and it's killing us all. Uh, I'm your host, show creator and narrator, Aubrey Lydon. Um, this podcast is my waking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hey, you should be proud of the fact that we're at least not on TikTok yet. We haven't um, gone that far for the success of our show. I'll be honest, I don't really understand how that works. Neither do I. Is it just me neither. Um, Snapchat? I think it's basically just Instagram stories, but that's all it is. You know, uh, you know Instagram Reels? Instagram Reels? Oh, it's yeah. Ba- yeah. Re- Reels is, you know, you, okay, you know when Wasn't like, Reels created Instagram... to rip off TikTok? Yeah. So, <laughs> so Instagram created, like, stole stories from Snapchat, and now they stole Reels from TikTok. Um, and it's it's still the only social media I ever really use because they just steal everything from everyone else, and then you don't need to get other apps. Yeah, they're like it's a great. They're like, it's like a Apple. Big, they're like that guy in that episode <laughs> of Doctor Who, one of Billy Piper, I think, uh, where he just absorbed people. Yeah, it and was they a had bad their, their faces on. It was a terrible yeah, yeah. episode, but yeah. <laughs> But but the connection was a bad episode, and it had a sad ending. Like I, I can take one of those things at once with my Doctor Who episodes. Mm. None of this is relevant. Uh, this is Chester and BJ. Hey, if guys. you haven't figured it out hey. by now, hey, how you doing? Please go back and listen to just the beginning of the podcast. If you've watched, you have figured it out by now. We're here still every confused. week. Yeah, if you've started here, you'd, you've done it wrong. And if you've watched through everything, and you should and you're be still ashamed. confused at this point. Watch it again. Just, just you might need to clear a few things up. See, I reckon. Yeah, try, try a second time. I reckon the more aggressive we get in our openings, the better. I was listening mm. to last week's episode, or no, this week's episode this morning because it came out this morning. Uh, we both record and release episodes on Tuesdays, and I'm you know listening, and there's the line about Chester saying that we're going to write a parenting book called "Sometimes You Got to Hit Kids," and I'm going, you know. Maybe we could have cut that. <laughs> Maybe we could have cut that. But I feel like it's more honest to leave it in. <laughs> I considered cutting it. I wasn't going to cut it. I was like, if I we start censoring we ourselves... Yeah, my, my thought was, if anyone starts here... Yeah. Look, it's... you got to get to this point already. I would rather that you don't listen because of Stockholm Syndrome. But also the fact, if that puts someone off watching... If they've watched through everything, they listen to the episode and like, you know what, that's that. That's enough. <laughs> Chester's gone too far. I clearly haven't gone far enough. Yeah. I clearly haven't climatised you enough to my comedy. And clearly they're not going to buy the book, so... Yeah, yeah. You're not our target demographic <laughs> if you're not going to buy the book. <laughs> if you don't understand our sarcasm, then we're not interested in marketing to you. <laughs> because we don't know how to market. And well, though these well, are the, the dulcet anyway. tones of BJ too. Hey BJ. Hello, my, my name's BJ. Hey, hey, uh, hey, me. I can I can finally hear Chester Aubrey. Uh, we we started this recording session with like a big, uh, you know, just chat about plot and like where we're going to be taking the next uh, few episodes character wise, so we all know what we're doing. Uh, I didn't hear most of it because Discord was glitching. Well, Chester <laughs> and I were about to get into a fist fight over whether something that someone <laughs> said in a planning flashback counted as it having happened. Yeah, yeah, I, I could tell that, and I was about to step in and defuse the situation, and then I just stopped being able to hear anything. And I'm like, well, well uh, if they're still alive when I come back, then maybe we'll work this out. Well, like, my responsibility yeah. is take it away from me. It's like it's like Chester trying to wrangle. Been locked up uh, yeah. in the same house for too long. Yeah, mm. yeah. it's like mm. trying to wrangle like you're a bunch of cowboys and you're wrangling a head of emu. That's the show. That's this show. Because <laughs> they fight yeah. back. The show fights back. Yeah. <laughs> now, i got it's one hard, question. It's hard enough when, when I can hear what you're saying. 
Mm. Uh, anyway. All right. I got one yes, question Aubrey. for us before we, we jump into the episode. And that is, Ooh. how much stress damage have your characters taken? How close are they to a breakdown? My character uh, doesn't keep. Like, no, I have. Seven out of 19. And uh, I'll have to look through my notes to find Randy's stats because I... Don't know where they're saved. I know I've saved them somewhere. Seven out of not. Oh, because you had that whole like altercation where Aubrey made you roll like a d8 mm-hmm. of stress. Um, Ernest is. Yeah, and then at, I looked in the backpack. Ernest is at fourteen out of twenty. Oh, Ernest's getting getting there. That's good. And Heath's only taken minus four. Okay, so I don't know what Heath's limit for stress is. I think it might be a bit higher. I think it's a little bit higher. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Wait, because. You know, at some point, I'd You're... like us to actually use the breakdown mechanics that I built specifically for this horror arc. Well, no, that's not true. I did build them for the show initially, and then we never used them, so I reconfigured yeah. them and put them back in for this arc. Wait, so Chester, did you say you're 14 out of 25? 19, did you say? 14 out of 20. My stress so is 20. Basically gone. <laughs> He's got six <laughs> points left. What? No, <laughs> I've got 14 left. Oh, you, well, you said it wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I thought we counted it the other way. No, I thought no. you started at zero. Ernst hasn't been in a, max. like, the only time Ernst has taken stress damage, there's been two inter, uh, instances. He took, like, four or something. I'm not sure when we, like, went, when it was just him and Randy, I think we took stress damage mm-hmm. then. But Ernst has been in the sidelines <laughs> this entire arc. No, that, that makes a lot more sense because I, I was, I thought... You had taken double what I had. I was like, Alistair's taken way more stress this season than you have. How are you at double me already? No, yeah, I mean, Ernest, yeah, Ernest hasn't been in many stressful situations, really. He's spent most yeah. of the time with Tia. <laughs> he, he, okay. he got a bit stressed when he was on his own, and then Tia's just, like, <laughs> carried him everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're at, you're at six out of 20, as in you've taken six points. Yeah, yeah I've taken six. Zero. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, for, depending on yeah. whatever way we count it. Right, and just wanted to just wanted to touch base on that. See where we're at. See if anyone's going to have a breakdown soon. See how much harder you need to work to kill us yet. See if the characters are starting to feel like Aubrey feels in real life. <laughs> Aubrey, stop linking this back to your own life. You always talk about how much you like Tolkien because he never connects anything to his real life. Exactly, and how he always hates people making that comparison. And this year, Aubrey's like, "Dark Tides is me." <laughs> Dark Tides is just the expression of my internal trauma. Dark Tides is my life when I'm sitting See, in a bath and slowly <laughs> falling into it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm finding this this phenomenon what where people take. What has happened this episode? What? <laughs> it's I, been eleven minutes. We need to join the intro. Nice we need to join the intro, time. but I want to tell this story first, which was that people are starting to take things that I say completely offhand and start worrying that they're some kind of cry for help. <laughs> it's like me I was with playing, my bleached hair. I was stage. playing um, Quiplash, which is one of those Jackbox-esque, you know, oh. everyone's in lockdown, let's play a game together thing. And the question, yeah. and you have to come up with like a funny response to a question, and the question was something like, what's the worst thing to have on a life raft when you're lost at sea? And my answer <laughs> a <second> was... person. <laughs> no, my, my answer was a, a seagull that embodies all of my self-loathing. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, like, it just keeps coming up with people going, 
So yeah, what about that uh, that self-loathing seagull, Aubrey? How's that going? I'm going. Look, it was a joke. Okay, you don't need to keep bringing it up like it was some kind of okay, veiled cry Aubrey? for help. You also don't need to have that 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 face every time you say it. That Aubrey, how's the how's the eagle or the seagull, <laughs> wherever it was? They're different things. open on the small town of Slate Ridge in mid-morning. It is still cold, it is still windy in this midwinter period. Standing on the footpath outside of the barricaded library, we find Alistair Stern. His friend Ernest has disappeared uh, off on some supposed Again. scouting mission. <laughs> scouting mission. Um... Alistair, you have spent the last several sleepless hours trying to devise as many different tactics and strategies for surviving this situation as possible. You're taking a small break, standing outside, huddled in your coat, watching your breath uh, fog in the air before you. Uh, The sky above is an unappealing grey of low-hanging clouds. It looks like there's possibly rain on the way. Just outside uh, the library on the street, you can see several of the townspeople, the citizens of Slate Ridge, being loaded into uh, the small convoy of tier vehicles and being escorted down the mountain to where local police are waiting. There's been some political wranglings on the part of tier to get aid from... Uh, the local police, and you know that the cousins, as they're called, the American equivalent of Tyr, have been called in and are perhaps a day or two out. What is Alistair thinking as he stands watching this scene? Alistair is a mixture of relief and apprehension, um, he knows that really the only way they're getting out of this situation is with backup. Um, and so it's kind of a, a very heavy weight of responsibility that's resting on his shoulders to, as their official strategist, to get them survive, get everyone to survive through to the point where they can, you know, have some more backup and actually be able to do a bit more damage and hopefully find a solution to the problem. Uh, and he's been pretty solidly working on this while um, Puck and the others have been dealing with coordinating the evacuation. Mm. And so seeing the first few um, convoys leave and watching the people go and knowing that they're going to be out of harm's way and that they're going to be taken care of is kind of been a nice ray of sunshine in his very, uh, very stressful, very... Um, oppressive atmosphere of the work that he's done that morning Mm -hmm. Um, and he's 
yeah, he's he's very very glad to see them on their way. Cool. Even though he knows that probably most of them are pretty upset <laughs> that they have to leave. Yes. Well, speaking of rays of sunshine, uh, Puck turns from <laughs> uh, waving <laughs> off the latest convoy uh, and trudges across the street to you, Alistair. Uh, she's rugged up How's again with her coat and beanie and her fingerless gloves in the cold morning air. Getting there, I think. Um, I think that's the second last. So, how's things? Oh, you know, just uh, figuring out how to lose a war with pride, I guess. You know, I was thinking while we were, you know, oh, setting no, up. that's dangerous. No, no, no. Shut up. I was thinking I mean, while we had this whole I'm sorry. shelter Continue. set up. And then, you know, we're, yeah. we're evacuating civilians in a convoy and we're waiting for the cavalry to come in. I remember sitting in um, history class, I guess, you know, right. watching boring black and white documentaries about, you know, the Second World War or whatever, and thinking, man, life used to be more eventful, you know? Important things were happening all the time. Stuff that, you know, changed <laughs> the world was was going on and, and everyone's living in the middle of that and how depressing that is. And now I've realised that that's just what life is like all the time. You so there's my two cents. That's my morning. a government agency or a army in order to see it, right? Oh, I don't think so. I think you just got to be slightly plugged into the world at large. But yeah, yeah, there's something to be said for uh, the innocence of children. Well, I wouldn't know a lot about that. I got to say, that doesn't surprise me. Now, as a human test subject, what are you going to do? You're joking, right? Let's go with yes. We're going to revisit this subject. Nah. <laughs> At that moment, um, the door behind <laughs> you opens, Alistair, and you see Anthony uh, shuffle out into the cold, rubbing his hands together. You see his eyes oh, uh, Ant, hey. light up to see you both. He goes, oh, this is, this is good. I was... Um, look, I was hoping to chat to you both uh, privately, if, if we can do that. Alistair kind of looks round over his shoulder to make sure there's no one else kind of in earshot. He's like, yeah, go ahead. What's up? Um, so I don't know how much Ernest really explained about, uh, well, why I'm here. I guess I've just got a bit of a, an intuition for these creatures. Um, it's weird. It's like a, a compass almost how I knew that they were coming here. It's how I told Ernest that they were going to be here. Um, and I know you guys were, you were interviewing people earlier. You were trying to pin down if anyone was out of the ordinary or missing. Um, and well, yeah, I was, well, since I was helping. Yeah. And I think I found what we're looking for. Well, no, I did find you were looking for i found hold on hold on you found a wendigo here yeah uh, okay now uh, it's please okay don't tell me they've just left 
in one of those cars? No. Um, I, okay, I kept them back. Well now, done. Now, okay. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I know that she's a Wendigo. She knows that I know that. But... Okay. Look, it's it's complicated. He kind of gestures for you to follow, um, and he opens the door to the library a crack. Just enough for you guys yep. to see in. And pointing um, as subtly as he can, he shows you uh, the small girl sitting on one of the benches in the back corner of this main open space. Puck recognises it as the young girl that she spoke to uh, about her missing father. And Alistair, you remember seeing Puck talking to her, having this conversation. Um, And Ant, closing the door again, says quietly, You sure it's her? Oh, I'm positive. Um, But... Call it providence or call it luck. She's young. And I mean that in the Wendigo sense. She she wasn't lying when she said that her dad was taken. She just didn't tell you that she was taken too. She hasn't been I see. a Wendigo for very long. So... My so they transformed a child. Man, that's pretty messed up. Yeah. But from what I'm starting to gather, it seems like the longer a Wendigo lives, the more the human part of them dies and whatever the other part is takes over. And she's relatively young. There's still most of her humanity intact, even if... There's a part of her that's now a monster, but well, I was talking to her, and I've been trying to keep talking to her, and I think I think we can convince her not to go back to them. I think we can convince her to stay with us. She was here, she was put here by the orders of some of the others to spy on us to take information back, and she was going to head back in the midst of everyone being evacuated that she thought she could slip away. They were going to wait for her on the tree line. But she doesn't want to go back. She just doesn't know where else to go. She hasn't passed any information over yet. Is that what we can assume from that? She could have lied to me. She could have, but... Yeah, of course. I believe her. I feel like we would have noticed up until this point if she got out. I mean, she's right. This this would be the time for her to slip away while we're busy dealing with the other people. I, I, he kind of looks at Puck because he knows that she was um, kind of the only one who was there the whole time. Puck looks deeply perturbed by this. She says, I... I thought I would have known. I think I spoke to her for about 20 minutes. I would have... I thought I knew what we were looking for. How did... It's okay. So did we. And, um, well, if what Anthony's saying is right about the transformation sort of being a 
collective process, then there, maybe there wasn't a whole lot for you to find. Maybe. And we know these creatures are clever, so don't beat yourself up about that. It's all right. Anthony um, nods and he says, I think we should, I think I should talk to her and tell her that we can protect her. Okay, well, how about one of us come with you? I mean, not just for your safety, but also so that she knows you are actually speaking with some kind of authority because, I mean, if she's clever enough to have hid her identity, she's probably clever enough to know that you could promise anything, but that doesn't mean the people in charge are actually going to listen, so... Well, I think... I think that's not a bad idea, but I think we need to take it slow. Okay, well, Puck, how about you continue with coordination stuff, see if you can uh, delay the last group for a bit. Uh, I need to get back to work anyway, so I'll hang around inside with you, and and so I'm there in case anything goes wrong. Um, And then if and when you feel like she's a little more comfortable, I can head out and grab Puck. Um, That way we're not waiting around but yeah yeah i think i think that sounds sounds good um okay look i know you guys you have your your structure and your you answer to heath and everything else but i'm just concerned that we don't want to i think the worst thing we can do right now is treat her like a monster i think that's only going to make her feel like she has no choice but to go back to them. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, tell who you need to tell, but please keep that in mind. Yeah, we will. Meanwhile, we find Heath O'Sullivan standing on a pile of felled trees that are creating this barrier around the town, surveying the work of... A number of the tier operatives and the able-bodied citizens who have been felling and stacking trees. Heath has been using his gravity manipulation powers to help them move and stack the trees more easily. Uh, Heath, you feel the phone in your jacket pocket buzzing. And as you look, it says, Wiki. Heath wipes some sweat from his forehead and drops his jacket to the ground. He's just wearing... Uh, a second shirt, the other one was uh, pretty torn up, and he sits down on the logs and pulls out the phone and clicks it on. Wookie. Heath, Warwick here. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Heath. Yes. Heath. Wiki. Oh, good, you're here. Yes, I'm here. Wiki, hello. How's it going? Uh, it could be going better. It's a shit show out there, isn't it? Just about. Yes. I could use about 80 more men. Well, that's good news. Yeah. I'm on my way. I'm in a chopper as we speak. <laughs> Borrowed it from the Russians. I think it's pre-war, but I don't know which war. It's one of the big ones. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we're on the way. Fanta- Cavalry's coming, boy. Fantastic. That's, uh, that's just about what we need. Now, also, another spot of good news. The mm-hmm. Americans have agreed to help you. When's that ever a good news? Good point. Most of the world don't like them when they do that. but um, Just them, usually. Yes. Yes. But there's a lot of them. That's true. I could use more. Now, I've given you... No. I've given them 
your phone number so that they can call you. Did you know that you can do that? You can share contact information with people. I think Alistair tried to explain that to me, but it also was connected to something called Tinder, and I immediately told him no. Fair enough. Yes. This is just battle of the dads. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Alistair couldn't seem to get through his head that I was married. Anyway. Wait, what? What? And then you hear, How is Abigail? Heath, you have a wife? Alistair is not there. He can he can sense it. Ah, uh, yep, she's fine. So, who am I talking to? Who's calling me? The current head of the cousins is a as a new boy called Flint Marshall. I think that's his name. They keep changing people. When you say new boy, are we dealing with? Well, he's not the old boy. But age wise, oh, they're all agent. They're oh. all older than me. Oh, okay, right. Okay, cool. Anyway. He's going to contact you. Apparently, they're going to be a lot closer than we are. So, that really, would, they're the cavalry. That would that would typically follow with them being now in the country. One word of warning: I have dealt with the Americans a few times, and they're going to want to go in guns blazing. They don't really do anything else. That's what you do. Ah, but I'm better at it. Uh, yeah. Now, main point is they're going to try and give you um um strategy advice. Mm-hmm. Pretend you're listening, and then do what you were going to do anyway. I'll I'll mop up the mess afterwards. What if what if what they want to do is also what we were planning to do? Uh, then that works out better. Do that. So trust them. Th- okay. I'll trust them. Basically, if, I'll do what I was planning to trust do. Trust them if they agree with you. Do your own thing if they don't. But smile and nod when they tell you to do something you're not going to do. That's yeah. the important thing with the Americans. So well, basically, what Sun Tzu said. I'll listen some yeah. I don't read those things that you keep sending me. I don't the quote of the day stuff is not having an impact. It's I it's don't not open a quote the of the emails. day. I would never send you an email. Well who's blood mm. Alistair. I'm gonna get that sorted out. <laughs> Maybe it's your wife then. <laughs> Somebody's sending me emails. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody's sending, sending me affirmations and I don't like it. Six months. No, uh, that's that. <laughs> That sounds like a like a Charlotte thing to do. Yes. Anyway, yes. enough pontification. Oh yes. Oh, hey. Oh yeah. I didn't open it. I oh, okay. that one. Anyway, I'll see you soon. Alrighty. Um, don't die. I'll try. That's important. That's the goal. Um also, do you think you're gonna be signing up for summer soccer this year? I'm trying to put together the team and nobody is interested. If I have both my legs coming back. Sounds good. Alright, bye Wiki. Bye. Uh, cut that. Cut, your, cut out as much of that as you feel like. <laughs> That's all staying in. Every, every scene with Wiki is a gold mine. <laughs> all right. You also speak too quick for me to cut any one point. <laughs> it's just the way you talk. All right. A gold mine of unnecessary content. Yeah. Am I right? That's the good stuff. Alistair, you are putting the final touches to your set of different uh, strategies in the shared office with the battle map that uh, Heath has been using for all of the meetings um, and directional discussions. As you put yep. the finishing touches to your last and you hope best strategy, uh, you hear a soft tap at the door. Uh, come in. Uh, the door swings open and you see Ant with 
a slightly uh, panicked look on his face. Uh, hey, everything okay? Is she still here? She's still here, um, yes. But um, Okay, good. We kind of need Puck, I think. Um, what happened? There were, it's actually, it's good. Um, okay, I like that. Because she's trusted us with some information, but it's information that we're going to have to act on, I think. All right. Okay, yep, I understand. Um, she says that there's people in the dam. Like, there's maintenance workers in the hydro facility built, you know, onto the side of the dam. Yeah, 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 okay. Um, and, all right. And you, you know what I'm going to say now, right? Uh, no, I, I, I'm not that kind of sensitive. <laughs> That's okay. How sure are you oh. that she's not tricking us into a trap? I can only give you my gut feeling. And my gut feeling is that this is a girl who doesn't want to be what she's been forced to become and she doesn't want to stay with the people who forced her and her dad into that. So she's looking for a way out and I think she doesn't. Look, just trust me, please. I think... I, I trust you. I trust but, you, but, uh, you know... I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask. Yeah. She said that they know that there are people in the dams because they were going to try and take out the power facility to the town and make them more vulnerable. That was an early plan. I she doesn't see. know whether they've gone ahead with that or not. What I mean is not just that there are some civilians that were unaccounted for, but that they could be already in danger if not dead. I see. Yeah, because if they were going to do that at all, they'd have to go through the people there. Yeah, all right. Um, yep, I understand the time crunch. Yeah. Uh, okay, listen. Um, all right, I'll find Puck and send her into you because uh, I think maybe she can help calm her down. At least I hope so. Uh, if you think she's ready for that. I think so. The girl, I mean. Yeah. Does she have a name? Or has she given you a name? Uh, Clementine. Clementine. Okay. All right. I'll 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 uh, tell Puck. Cool. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. That that changes things. Thank you. I'll. Yeah. I'll present that to Heath and see what we can do. Yeah. I think it's probably time to clue him in on this. She doesn't want to go back to them, and I don't know if there's a procedure that you guys have for someone like her who is dangerous but doesn't want to be dangerous i mean look i don't i don't pretend to understand it but it seems like darnell is something like that isn't he alistair taps the table and smiles and he's like we're an organization there's always a there's always a procedure okay okay uh he and if not we'll make one he nods and turns to leave uh, it is at about that moment that you hear uh, the banging of the front door opening and closing. And Alistair, as you stick your head out, uh, you see quite an, a sight that should be odd to you but isn't. Uh, you see Ernest and Puck dragging an unconscious man through the front door with Randy uh, 
guarding them. <laughs> um, it's quite a commotion. <laughs> um, Ernest, what have you got yourself into now? Ernest looks up at you, smiles, and says, I call it a big one. Parker goes. Alistair shakes his head. He like puts his hand on his forehead, shakes his head, and he's like, "Well, get in line, cause uh, no, no. What's that? What did I say? Um, oh, good comeback, Alistair. No, good comeback. No, no. no hold, hold on, hold on. All right, Alistair, I'm not gonna stand Alistair, here and like, wait for you to Al- come up with Alistair, one. Alistair, like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> How about I start that again? Uh, Alistair, you, you've ruined my flow, man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did that. He stands and looks at Ernest and like puts his hand on his forehead and he's like, man, well, Ernest, you're getting slow. We beat you to it. Ernest points and he's like, you beat me to finding my brother? What? That's your brother? How would you beat me to? Uh... I'll tell you later. Puck, can you uh, help Anthony with, you know, the thing that he needs help with? Oh, yeah. I kind of forgot she drops. Um, I'm assuming that she would probably be carrying, like, uh, Edgar's arms. She just sort of drops him on his head and moves to go. And there's a loud thunk. And I was like, what? And as you kind of look around, you're holding holding, um, Edgar's legs as he's just thunked to the ground. And you see uh, Anthony kind of... Shifting from foot to foot in a back corner, there's sort of a young teenage girl who looks very confused and alarmed by the situation. She's staring at Edgar. Ernest, like, shrugs his shoulders, holding up his head. He also drops the legs by accident as he's looking at Anthony. He's like, what? What? Like, mouthing at him. Anthony kind of just makes this sort of juggling hands gesture, like, there's a lot going on. And then he kind of, he squints (laughs) at, at... Edgar on the ground and then his eyes sort of move and then his face just sort of drops and he goes very pale and he kind of points and it's like gestures at him like yeah I know at that point Alistair steps like in between your view obscuring your view of Ant and he like points and he's like brother Wendigo? I'm not your brother he's my brother Wendigo yes he's your brother what great Uh, he's Wendigo yes how long till he wakes up also how many times have I told you already to stop running off? You gave me permission this time. You gave me permission this time. You told me to do it. And Ernst also looks over at Randy, as you said, when is he going to wake up? Randy's got, like, the butt of his shotgun up, ready to hit him in the head again. <laughs> and it's like, uh, well, if he moves at all, I mean... Alistair, um, while they're doing this, he, like, grabs the arms where Puck was and, like, starts to help you move this unconscious body. He's like... No, I did not. I did not tell you yes, to Yes, I did. No, I asked no, Puck I for help, so that's technically Tia, uh, that's Tia giving me permission. No, that's not the same. Do you know how much trouble I would have got in from Heath if you died Well, I'm not again? employed by your people. I'm a, I'm a maverick, a renegade. I am, and looking after <laughs> you is- just nodding uh, As they're trying to, like, squeeze it through a door. <laughs> I guess yeah, you're like, back. You're looking like, after Randy's, you is my job. Randy's opening the basement door and, like, guiding you down the steps. <laughs> If you die, it looks really bad for my job security, all right? I'm, I'm glad my death would mar your certificate or whatever you get from this. I feel like that, you know. Only if it happens again. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and we, uh, he, and then when we've got him down, Alistair, like, let's go. And then, like, pats Randy on the back. It's like, you take it from here. I, oh, I need to find Heath. And then he starts running up the stairs. Heath! Heath! Wait, wait, Alistair, wait. <laughs> he starts, like, following you up the stairs. It's like, wait, your, your boss is going to be like, he's, you can't kill my brother. And okay. Then, <laughs> and then Randy, like, half follows you to protest. He's like, Ernest, what, am I going to have to do this on my... Uh, he always runs off and he leaves Randy to... Ha! He spins around, like, pointing the shotgun. Thought you could catch me off guard, didn't you? You... you Dear man with your dear face and you're hiding in a human skin. You think, oh, Randy, Randy's quick. Randy sees all. And he's like completely still. Don't move. And he is. Don't move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like wax him again with the butt of the shotgun. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> Hello listeners, my name is Ernest Marsh and I'm here to talk to you about the very show that you're listening to, I suppose, something like that, it's Dark Tides. If you're enjoying so far what you've listened to of Dark Tides, the best way that you can support us is by leaving a review if you're on iTunes or whatever, Apple Podcasts, something like that. You can leave reviews. By leaving reviews, it boosts the podcast and other people can see it and all that type of stuff. So give us a review. We'd very much appreciate it. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTidesPod and also on Reddit, r slash DarkTides, chat with us and all that type of stuff. Patreon is the best way to actively help us at patreon.com slash darktides, but we understand that not everyone is in a financial situation to be able to do that, so any other way of supporting and helping us is very appreciated. Anyway, on with the show. Ernest, you've had a little time to get your thoughts together. Um, you've stepped briefly outside alone, uh, had a chance to think. You've reconnected with your watchmen. You've reassigned them to different tasks. Uh, Sherman is back in the church bell tower surveying the boundary lines. Randy has been sent back to help um, a number of the tier operatives as they are getting close to finishing their barricades and these things. Um, Ant is still with the tier operatives inside the library and you check in briefly on Davo, who is sitting in his Ugg boots in the back of the sunshine camper van. Um, he waves you over uh, just briefly. Yep, what do you need? Uh, hey, so, um, yeah, everything's set up. We should be good. Gives you a thumbs up. He shows you his com his laptop screen, and you can see the, the cameras he's been setting up all over um, the town. It's like, it's good. Nice. 
He has like a um, USB adapter that's connected to another USB, like like a dongle connected to another dongle of like twenty USB things plugged into it. Because all the webcams <laughs> yeah. are an individual USB. There's just a massive processor on the ground with fans going crazy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, the external graphics card thing. Um, just was gonna tell you, I've. I have been keeping an ear on the radio waves the way we were doing back in the archipelago. Uh, there's some chatter going on that seems a bit odd. Chatter? Yeah. From the thing we heard on the radio station? Yeah, it's from that channel that's not supposed to exist. Yep. Now, I did Wikipedia it, and apparently something to do with Russia and, like, World War Two and Cold War agents and stuff. Apparently, people think there's a bunch of radio stations and frequencies that aren't supposed to exist that were spy stuff. Yeah, well, this one's different. Oh, okay. I just thought it might have been that. No, this one, this one's different. Anyway, the signal that came through was really garbled. I can't really make anything out. I'm going to run it through some scrubber stuff, see if I can lower mm. the levels probably because we're so far from the archipelago the archipelago is apparently a thin point in from where it is to where we are there's a it's a thinness that's why there's so much weird stuff there so maybe we're just a thicker point or something and it can't reach us as well could you maybe reach out to nancy and ask her to try and listen in yeah i could ask I mean, or, Herb, or maybe Herb, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll reach out to both of them. That shouldn't be too hard. I'm sure he's probably not too keen on getting possessed again, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. He said he was going to write a book about it. Mm. Anyway, just thought I'd tell you. Okay. Right, Ernest, you uh, tap twice on the van, kind of a good job, um, and you you turn back inside. As you re-enter the library, you see. Uh, Heath and Alistair tramping up the stairs from the basement. Um, Heath is wiping blood off his knuckles with uh, a tea towel and Alistair is carrying an empty bucket. Ernest pauses for a second and like gestures a bit like, I thought we talked about this. He's fine. Don't worry. He's okay. Heath wipes the blood off, chucks it into the bucket, says, he'll heal. Didn't give us anything anyway, so... Yeah, maybe you'll have better luck. And he marches off. Uh, Ernest looks at Alistair, nods, and makes his way over towards the door to the basement. Okay. Uh, you descend the steps. You can see the one naked light bulb still swinging gently at the very back of this room that is mostly storage of old filing cabinets and bits and bobs of... The community hall, you see Edgar in his human form uh, tied to one of the beams. Is he's, he sitting up? He's sitting slumped forwards. Okay. You can see uh, the water still dripping from his hair. His hair is long and greasy. It straggles most of the way over his shoulders and almost down to his elbows. Mm. It's sort of straw blonde. Um, More sun-bleached, really, then. Yeah, sun-bleached and dirty with mats in it. Okay. Mats? Matted parts. Matted parts. Whatever mats are. Uh, Ernest 
comes over and sits down on the, the concrete a few metres in front of him. Uh, Edgar raises his head blearily. Ernest looks at him, and I'd like to uh, roll inspection. Mm-hmm. Roll the dice in this episode. Mm-hmm. Five. What do I see? Hey. What are you looking for? Ooh. Um, just trying to see how like beat up he is. Uh, it's hard to tell. His face is quite gaunt and pale already. It's hard to tell what is the wear and tear of the last almost a decade of living wild, basically, Mm. and his human form increasingly wasting away and what is damage sustained in the last 15 minutes. (laughs) You can see that one of his... He's got a split in his lip, um and probably some bruises that are going to come up on his his face and shoulders, but certainly nothing that you would be too worried about. Okay. Ernest leans down and looks at him. Edgar? Mm. He opens one eye to look at you. Do they call you that, or do they have a different name for you? We don't use names. How do you get, um, if there's one of them over there, how do you get them to come over here without a whole bunch of them coming over? We don't normally run together. <laughs> well, then that must make this organisation thing very difficult. Yes, not, it's not going great. But you remember other people's names? Not normally. So it's strange to two? Because obviously, remembering... Remembering doesn't help you make make you be stronger unless it's remembering a fight or a way to beat something. What are you trying to do, Ernest? Hey! So why do you remember me? That's not going to help you win. Stop doing that face. So that's just Aubrey. Um, <coughs> Ernest <laughs> leans back and like cracks his, his knuckles and leans forward again. Here's the thing. Tia is... Uh, they're bringing him back up. Like a lot. Like you guys have been putting your ranks together. So are they. And... I know you're all strength, big, strong boy thing and all that. Um, and you think, oh, yeah, we'll beat them. Uh, you're, you're probably not. They're, they're, pretty, they're, pretty, they're pretty good. And um, Alistair, he's super powered now. Um, and they've got a puck. She's quite scary. And they're about to get you hit just, by other people. You're just saying words. I... Ernest... Look, I know you think there's something to bargain with here. Mm. I know that you think there's something that you can get out of this, but it doesn't matter. You're thinking so small. If there's a fight, there's a fight. If you die, if all of the humans die, great. If all of the Wendigos die, great. 
the weak are supposed to die. If there's a fight, it just means we prove which one. But it doesn't matter, Ernest. None of us are really going to survive what's coming. We have a better chance by sticking together. The Wendigos do. The humans don't, because humans can't stick together. 24 hours, it's not going to matter. But then how does your ideology work? If nothing matters, if everything's all on this huge scale, then what's the point of power if you're Ernest, just one little thing? Animals don't have an ideology. Yeah, I'm trying you're to not an animal. Come a little closer and say that again. Like, scoots forward. He tries to bite you. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah, we'll do an opposed roll. Uh, ten. Also a 10. He, like, tries to headbutt you, and you pull your head back <laughs> just in time. Ernest to, like, pulls his head back and, like, slaps him across the face. Ow. I don't know what you want. What do you want? Ernest, why am I here? Why didn't you kill me when you had the chance? Because it's not about killing you. It's not about killing anyone. Then what's it about, Ernest? It's about saving people. No, no, no. How about this? It's not about... Creation. It's not about destruction. It's about preservation. Think of, if you want to think about like an animal, then think about the fact that uh, it's probably not going to work because you'll be like, oh, if it's extinct, that's because it was weak. Then how's the megalodon extinct? That thing could eat anything. The environment changed. And that's what's going to happen again. The humans are the megalodons of now. Aren't you the megalodons of now? Look, a lot of the others want to believe that we can be the next pinnacle of the food chain, the next predator of predators. Me, I'm not so sure. And I don't really care anymore. A change is coming in the environment. There's no real way of telling who's going to survive and who's not. But you think having a leader will I don't change. think that. But your people do. Yes. Will you follow a leader? I have to. What we are, we're not pack animals but we respect the alpha. That's just the way we're wired. It's whatever in our brain. Call it a chemical dependency on the biggest and the strongest. If someone bigger than me tells me to jump, I say how high. It doesn't matter if I think they're worth it. Only humans think that people have a value beyond what they can provide hmm. Wendigos don't think like that part of me whatever part of me is still 
Edgar thinks it's stupid, but that part of me is dying and it's dying fast. The rest of me doesn't care. The rest of me will follow the biggest and the strongest to the death. And that's most of them down there in the valley. Do you know what I want, Ernest? What? I want you to leave. Hmm? I want you to run as fast and as far away as you can possibly get. Why? Because you're not going to last the night. Everything changes tonight. Ernest stands up and brushes the dirt off of his knees and looks at Edgar and says, Yeah. Everything is going to change tonight. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do don't that. Do... Don't, no. <laughs> do you remember when Grandpa would break something and he would get all mopey about how things aren't built the way they used to be blah 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 nothing's made right anymore and he would sit on the ground and complain for like 20 minutes and then he'd stand up and he'd, he'd brush the dirt off his knees and say well if something is going to be done, I'll have to do it myself. And then do go off and hit something with a hammer. That's what you're doing, Ernest. You remember how many times Grandpa actually fixed something? I can't think of once. He fixed us. He what? made us better. That's some sentimental rubbish right there. You disagree? Yes, Ernest, look at us. We're standing in a basement. I'm a freak of nature who wants to eat people. And you still think you can fix everything. I should be dead. I am dead. Whatever part of me is actually talking to you, whatever part of me remembers Grandpa, that's just a ghost clinging on to whatever this body is. It's not even real anymore. Ernest pauses for a second and kneels down and looks Edgar direct in the face and says you're dead I'm dead this isn't even my body and he holds his hand out under the light and is only able to for a short time but as it enters into the light, the hand shrivels and grays and shrinks and transforms into the hand of Sheshia. And he squeezes it close into a fist and then squeezes it back open. That's gross. Yeah. I've walked in the empty space between reality 
have lived there. And Ernest Marsh died there. Granddad and what he taught us and what he made us is the reason why both of us, these two dead things, are still here, still kicking, together. And he stands back up. If something's not right, I'm going to fix it. Good luck. Thank you. And he's going to start jumping up the steps to the door. <laughs> As you exit the steps, Ernest, uh, and step back into the main hall of the public library, uh, you hear raised voices from the printing room that has become the headquarters oh, no. of Tear. <laughs> this is a common thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is not voices raised in argument, it's voices raised in intense discussion. And you hear Puck's voice loud and clear uh, from behind the semi-closed door. Heath, I understand. Trust me, I get it, but we need to move fast. Our job is to get civilians out and there are still civilians here. Now, yes, it's probably going to be dangerous. Yes, there's probably going to be a trap. That's why you need to give me Alistair. I know he's supposed to be a non-combatant, but he also happens to be basically a living tank. We are working quickly. We've got the cousins hours away. I've got one of them on the line waiting to talk to me now. And you want to follow the words of a Wendigo, okay, a creature that was, is born for the purpose of lying, deceiving, and pulling flesh from bone, all right? And you want to follow one of them to a dam... To, to what? Uh, no, no. Alistair, I've got this. She turns to Heath <laughs> and she goes, Heath, listen. Are you dumb? And I don't mean that as like a, a disrespectful thing. I mean, no, Ernest, uh, Alistair, I've got this. Ernest walks into the room. What? Shut that up. That is not going to help. Heath, if she was going to See, double you have cross the same us, problem too. she would have left already. Like, she isn't gaining anything by staying behind. Puck, have you heard of sleeper agents? Civilians in America who lived decades. They lived lives. They had families. There's such a thing as a long con. Yes, from creatures that just want to eat humans and fight stuff. I don't think so. There's I've... a duality. They're both is freezing and burning. They're both bad. They don't. They meet in the middle. Yes. And I'm in the middle, Heath. No, you're not. I am. You're over there with the Wendigo. <laughs> the Wendigo's in the middle too. By one set of examples, yes. By another, no. Heath, let me put it this way. Okay. I'm going to go do the thing that I said I'm going to do. Mm. Alistair, I'm not finished. If, think back 10 years, I don't know how old you are. Think back <laughs> 10 years. Tell me that you never... In your career working under Warwick, you never had an idea, had a gut feeling, knew you could do it, knew it was the right thing to do, and did it even though Warwick told you, meh, maybe not the best idea. And how often did it turn out to be the right thing? Puck, look me in the eye. Look career. me in the But it's about being better than I am. Being better. You're, I you're am my, better I'm, than you are. Yes, you are. Give but... me 10 years. I will be better than you are now. Three years. Fine. 
But trust me, I can do it. I can bring them back safe and I can put us in a better strategic position. Puck, I have two hours. Maybe not. I'll be back before nightfall. The Americans, you know how the Americans are on the phone, all right? They're going to want to suggest a million things to me, all right? I can't then say to them, hey, hold on with all your little ideas about nuking everything, okay? Um, two of my students hold on, hold on. Heath, just, are just running off. How long How long are they out? What's, what's their ETA for the cousins? They're going to tell me. They will tell me. Okay. Listen. I mentioned this before, and I've been doing some thinking. Our, our last-ditch effort here is we blow the dam. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, we need to get explosives up to the dam. And if the Wendigos are going to move in, or conversely... If the cousins are going to get here soon and they're going to want to move in on them, we're not going to have time to send a party of people back up to the dam later to set the explosives. We may not need them, but if we don't do it now, we're not going to have that option when it comes crunch time. And I think we're going to need it because I don't really want to go head to head against these things without another leg up. And I just don't think we have the strategic advantage without the possibility of blowing the dam and washing the whole valley. I'm not saying we do that. I'm not saying we have to. But I, as your strategic officer, I think... Oh my God, how did Warwick do this? If we have the option, we should use it. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can do it later, especially if we're going to start getting orders from the cousins. They're not going to want to just send a couple of random people off. But if they get here and we can tell them we already have the explosives rigged, then we have an upper hand on whatever plan they want to do. Now, if anyone's going to go, it might as well be Puck and I. And if we're going to be there to plant the explosives anyway... I agree. I agree that it is a good idea. I agree that I would currently... If I was under Warwick, I would currently be going out the door to do it. But Al- Alistair, Puck, you under- and he's like, going to go and close the door so that no one else can hear it, like, <laughs> behind Ernest. Glares at Ernest, like, why are you here? And moves back to him. like, you are asking me, okay, to send my two students. Okay, I, you guys do an incredible job. You're as good as any of them out there, but you are my students. I am responsible for every action you do. And if either of you get hurt or killed, I am the one who that falls on. Not just responsibility-wise, everything in this building is is under my responsibility, but I'm the one who has to deal with the fact that I agreed for the two of you to go out to what is undoubtedly a trap. Okay, you are asking me, that's a lot to carry, okay? I agree. It is a good... It is, I don't like the cousins, all right? I'm happy to not do what the cousins tell me. It's all about not listening to the sovereign. It's a, a Sun Tzu thing. Um, <sighs> Heath, the longer we wait, the more dangerous it becomes. But you do not counter that by just diving into the snake's den. So what are we going to do? Are we going to leave those people out there? We have a series of plans, Alistair. You constructed a series of plans that build up before 
We nuke everything with water. I know, but they all hinge on having a backup plan if they fail. I'm not saying the other plans aren't good. They are good. I know. I've spent all morning and I nearly had a cup of coffee. That's how bad. But if they fail, we can't run from these creatures. We can't kill them all. If they fail, we need a backup plan. If we move now, we can get that backup plan in place before all of the bloodshed happens. And if we don't need it, we don't need it. I think we have to be real here, Heath. Why are we here? To keep civilians from getting killed by creatures beyond their understanding. And we've got 90% of them out. But there are stragglers trapped in a building. If nothing else, if no explosives, if none of those things, our job isn't done until those people are out. That's what I'm here for. That's why I'm in tier. That's why I'm under you. My job is to get people out of those situations and get them home to their families. And that's what I'm asking you to let me do. Let me put myself on the front line so that other people can stand behind me. But I can't I can't back you. I can't trust give you. It's not an act me. of trust. I trust that you can go in there. I can't give you 10 operatives to back you up. I can't relinquish the grip we have here. So I'm basically sending you and maybe one other, maybe two other at max. That's as much as I can give you here. Then just send me. I am good enough. No way. I'm coming with you, Puck. Shut up, Alistair. Yes, you're taking Alistair if you are going. I'm not letting one of you go. All right. Yeah, give me the walking tank. That's fine. Look, I think we both know that this thing is going to turn bad. And it's a matter of time. It's still daylight out. We can get there. We can get to those people before the sun goes down. And we can beat the fastest retreat anyone's ever seen. This is the best time we're going to have. And if we don't get them now, they're not going to last the night, assuming that they are still alive. And if the absolute worst case scenario happens and the people there are not alive or they were never there in the first place, it's still not a wasted trip. And we're going to have to send somebody to do that anyway. Yeah, if we waited, maybe we'd have backup, but then we'd lose the possibility of saving the people that might be there. Heath, I give you my word, as a soldier and as a tier operative, we will do this right and we will come back. Okay. Okay. Alistair, grab your things. All right. We're leaving now. She turns and pushes through the door. Ernest, you are, I guess, just left standing in the office. Staying there, like, with Heath. Yeah. <laughs> just a pause. That's <laughs> just, like, is backing through the door before Heath passes him, going after 
Alistair and Puck. Mm-hmm. So are they going outside or something? They would be grabbing their things and going straight away. Yep. Okay. Heath moves out into the um, the room and kind of addresses the ones that are there as well as Alistair and Puck. Alistair and Puck are going to be heading to the dam. They'll be taking one of our vehicles and two operatives. Alistair, Puck, you can pick. They'll be going there. They'll be in and out. We're concerned that we have civilians there. We'll be using the other two vehicles to create a relay. We'll be parking them as close as we can get to, in case there's more than we can bargain with, we can move civilians out. This is a dangerous situation, but we have backup on the way. We're not sure how far out, but they are on the way. Okay. All right. Uh, As people scramble to organize vehicles and gear, as um, Puck begins to change out the bits of equipment that she has stored in her tattoo ability uh, for new equipment, new pieces. Uh, As she's going through, Heath is going to chuck his two batons onto the top of the the bag for her as he walks out towards the uh, other cars that are getting ready. Thank you. Ernest, in the hubbub of movement and activity, now that the last of the civilians have been uh, sent down the mountain and a last-ditch effort is being made to rescue those who are left. Uh, Ant taps you on the shoulder. You can see that with him is Clementine, this young girl. Hey. Hey. Um, look, I was hoping I could talk to Edgar. Mm-hmm. Clementine knows him. Yeah. Uh, he was the one that she was supposed to meet to get out of here and take the information back um look everything is happening really really fast and i don't know exactly what i'm supposed to be doing here but i just have this feeling like you and i are the only people who remember edgar who want to remember edgar i don't think it's an accident that you and i are here and that he's here. And I think maybe I can talk to him. Maybe I can figure out how much of him is still left inside. Ernest nods and he's kind of running his fingers a little bit as he's looking out towards Tia mobilizing. What are you going to do? Uh, that's what I'm... Working out now. Yeah, you can talk to him. Uh, I'm not sure how much more you'll get out of him. There's a there's a bit of a roadblock. His Wendigo side doesn't respect us. So that side won't submit to us and let Edgar really be. And to do that, he can't runs his fingers more I'm going to have to do something what kind of something make him respect me 
This is sounding bad, Ernest. Yeah, yeah. I've done something like this before, and uh, that didn't end too well, but that was under different circumstances, and I wasn't right then, but this time. Okay. This time I'm doing it for the right reasons. So, I think. I hope. Okay. Talk to Edgar. But, um... I'll keep my radio on me. Yeah. You'll know when. So, when you know... Let him go. Let him go? Yeah. <sighs> okay. He won't hurt you. You can throw him the key and run so you're not near him. Or whatever, but... Um, Doesn't show a lot of faith in your plan if I do that. Well, it's you're more you know, uh, room for you to do it however you feel comfortable, but... He'll come back to his pack. He'll come back to me. Gosh, that sounds pretty ominous. Okay. It's um, not meant to. It's kind of just the way it is. I don't know. All right. Yeah. Ernest, you turn on your heel and you walk out of the library. As you step into the atmosphere of tier operatives mobilizing and moving, uh, you can see Heath on the phone. Uh, he looks like he is being berated. <laughs> you can see Alistair and Puck piling into uh, one of the SUVs about to head out. Uh, Heath puts like the phone to his chest as he goes over to Alistair's side of the, the window and taps on it. Yeah, cue window winding down sound effect. Hey, uh, thanks for listening to us and for letting us do this. I, I do think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So who are you taking with you? Uh, well, Puck, obviously, and, uh, Riley and, uh, Thomas. Okay. Well, remember what I said before about training you to be a leader. Yeah. Well, part of that comes in now. To be a leader, to be a general, and to have people below you means... The reason why I've reached the position I'm in and hold the rank I do is for following this quite strongly. It's that you treat the people who work for you like your sons, like your children. You treat them with that respect, that care, and they'll follow you to the, the deepest dungeon and the highest heights. They will follow you to the end of the world. And that's a dangerous power. That's a dangerous power, but you also, same with the same way, you also need to command. You are the parent. You are the, the general. They're your children, but they're not spoiled children. They're under your command. And that's when you keep, that's when you're no longer just a father. That's when you're their general that they would follow to the end of the world. You need to be 
stronger, wiser, stricter, and more caring. And kinder, yeah. So just remember that. Alistair just looks straight at you, like, in your eyes for a second. And he says, two hours. Uh, maybe more like six. Puck leans over. <laughs> Look, it's going to take longer half. to get up there than I thought. I Google mapped it and it's longer than I thought. We'll expect we'll you when we expect you. We'll be back by dark. And we'll Hopefully re- before the dark. Preferably. but Preferably. That'd be I'll nice. I'll leave that up to your discretion. Sweet. All right. And he like taps on the car. All right. They take off heading up the winding road that leads from the centre of town up into the mountains that will bring them around the curve to the Slate Ridge Dam. Mm. Ernest is now halfway along the the main street of town as all the tea operatives are focused on Alistair and Puck leaving and he's cut through a few different lanes to break line of sight and he's making his way for the line of trees and he pulls up his radio Watchman, can you hear me? Uh, yep, you got me. Yep, Randy's here. Uh, you hear the slightly distorted crackle as Ant comes through. Yeah, I can, I can hear you, Ernest. And Davo. Uh, yes. Sir? Yes. Okay, so, uh, new plan. I am uh, making my way to the valley. Sure, you're going to hear what? Sherman's voice come over. Mm. Mm, yeah, that, that that sounds like a really good plan. The the Wendy goes. There's about to be a war, and really, you don't say. I'm sorry, I won't cut you off. Continue. Thank you, Randy. You're welcome. And no one's gonna make it out of this unscathed. So the only way to do that is to break it before it starts. And to do that, you have to remove the most warlike party, and that's the Wendy goes. They're currently competing. For from what Randy said, and from also from what Edgar said, for an alpha, a leader. The only way we can get them out is if I uh, try to do that and command them to go. Hold on, you're saying you're about to? Um, sorry, forgive me if I got this wrong. You're gonna go and try and become the Alpha Wendigo. Not Alpha Wendigo, just the Alpha. On it doesn't matter if you're a Wendigo, it's just about power. Without How is that going to happen? No, no, not alone. I'm going to need you guys to, like, shepherd me there. Oh, well, in that case, it's all right. Except for you, Davo. You stay back there. And Anthony, you you have another job. You're all right. It's Davo. <laughs> Davo's the best. Uh, Sherman, I'll need you to kind of support me from distance randy a bit more up close and he's going to look up and click the um, station along a few times so, and i'm going to need your help from above as he looks up you can see the large bird wheeling overhead i don't know if you have a radio on you <laughs>